0: It has been six years since the start of the global financial crisis in 2008. Neither the unconventional monetary policies have delivered the robust economic recovery that was expected, nor have the fears of hyperinflation attributed to these policies been materialized. Why has reality defied expectations? This is the question we are going to explore in this interview. I'm Usman Hayat from CF Institute, and I'm joined by distinguished economist Nouriel Roubini.
1: Great being with you.
0: So let's start with the fear of hyperinflation uh, in the wake of the QE. Why didn't it happen?
1: Well, it didn't happen because uh, the reason why these unconventional monetary policies, whether it's zero interest rates, uh, QE, credit easing, forward guidance, even now negative deposit rate, have been implemented, is that the recovery was anemic, was anemic because this was a painful balance sheet recovery from too much private and public debt. And therefore, growth has been anemic. Inflation, if anything, has been too low. And we had to try to do aggressive monetary policies to prevent deflation and double dip and triple dip recession. So people confuse cause and effect. They say too much liquidity would cause inflation, but the reason why we had too much liquidity, the aggressive monetary policy, was because there was not enough growth and enough inflation. That's why we have not seen this surge in inflation rates. If anything, even today. In US, in Europe, in Japan, other advanced economies, were to fight disinflation, uh, deflation, because there is too much supply of goods, there's not enough aggregate demand because of the wrong economic policies. And that's why we're in disinflationary or deflationary pressures in spite of very aggressive easing.
0: And is this the reason you would think that we haven't seen the rise of gold and the rise of cryptocurrencies that was expected?
1: Yes, there were all these pessimists, uh, there were doom and gloom predicting that all easy money is going to lead to hyperinflation, to the crash of the dollar, to the rise sharply of gold prices to $5,000 per ounce, to Bitcoin going to the roof. Uh, The paradox is just the opposite has happened. During the last year, inflation has fallen, even the US. The value of the dollar is strengthening. Gold prices have gone from 1,900 per ounce to 1,200 per ounce, and Bitcoin has been the worst performing currency. Last year, falling in value by 60%. The problem is that all this money is not leading to inflation because you don't have the right fiscal policies. Growth is still anemic. There are global disinflationary pressure, even those coming from currently the falling commodity prices and now oil and energy prices. So central banks have to worry about deflation, not about inflation. And that's why we have this paradox.
0: Interesting. So looking back, we see that the unconventional monetary policies haven't quite delivered the robust economic recovery and you're attributing it in part to lack of a complementary fiscal policy. Is that correct?
1: Yes. In my view, uh, the monetary easing would have been more effective if you had, had longer and more stronger fiscal stimulus because in a world in which there is too much supply and too much uh, uh, production of goods and services, not enough demand for goods and services, you need to boost aggregate demand to boost aggregate demand. You need monetary easing, but after a while, Q1, Q2, Q3 becomes less effective, while well, a more effective policy would have been to directly boost demand by increasing government spending, especially productive government spending in infrastructures, because so many parts of the world, with the exception of China, there's a lack of infrastructure by doing less. Uh, uh, taxes to increase disposal income by doing more transfer payment to increase disposal income, so looser fiscal policy with looser monetary policy would have been effective while in all advanced economies at different stages we have had excessive fiscal consolidation in the eurozone because the market and the troika imposed it on the periphery in the US because the political gridlock led to sequestration in Japan because they made a policy mistake and they increased the consumption tax too soon. So I think we had the wrong policy mix. We should have had more fiscal stimulus for longer. And maybe in that case, we could have had slightly less monetary stimulus. Still, significant monetary stimulus, but less than we did.
0: So if gold and Bitcoin haven't quite lived up to the expectations, people would say that it hasn't affected a lot of people. But on the other hand, unconventional monetary policies are being blamed for inequality, the rise of inequality. What's your take on inequality and the unconventional monetary policies?
1: Well, first of all, the main reasons why there has been a rise in inequality is not uh, unconventional monetary policy and asset inflation, but rather bigger forces and longer term. There's technological innovation that is uh, capital intensive and labor saving. There is trade and globalization that reduces the jobs and the wages of those who are unskilled or semi-skilled white-collar and blue-collar workers. There is the effect of Winner take all superstar effect that people are in the top of every profession get the benefits of a globalized demand for their goods and so on. So there are many other factors. Now, asset inflation through unconventional monetary policy has increased the value of homes, the value of equities, and so on. That has disproportionately benefited the rich. And that's why part of the recent increase in inequality may be in part due also to unconventional monetary policy, but think of it, this unconventional monetary policy avoided a double-dip or a triple-dip recession, if a double-dip recession had occurred, say, in the U.S., that recession would have hurt, first and foremost, the poor and the working class. So by avoiding, through unconventional monetary policies, this severe recession, we also have benefited the poor. And guess what? Right now, the U.S., we used to have a 10% unemployment, now it's 55 and job creation now is 250,000 jobs per month. And who's benefited from that economic recovery? Working class, the middle class, those who are households and wage earners. So yes, unconventional monetary policy may increase inequality through a wealth effect for those who have more assets, but also benefits those in the middle and the bottom of the income scale and not doing it would have been worse for those in the bottom of the income scale.
0: And are there other policy measures that so far have not been put in place which have better potential compared to what has been done in the recent past?
1: Well, I would say that uh, many things had to be done. One of them was, of course, having the right fiscal policy. I think that the fiscal stimulus was taken too fast, too much, too soon. If anything, there was too much cutback in productive public spending because the first thing you cut is not current spending like wages of public employees or transfers, but rather public infrastructure and public investment actually increased potential growth. That was a mistake, which they had a better fiscal policy. Of course, there was other mistakes. The uh, US uh, recapitalized the banks fast enough by doing the TARP program, while the Eurozone waited five years until they did a sensible stress test and asset quality review. And only now they have decided to finally recapitalize the banks. But in the meanwhile, the banks were deleveraging by selling assets and contracting credit. So could investing in infrastructure be part of the solution for the future? I think that investing in infrastructure is very much part of the solution because infrastructure spending, on one side, is part of demand. It boosts demands, but also increases the aggregate supply by making actually the private sector more productive. If you build port, transportation, digital infrastructure, and a wide range of other things that are important, and I would say you have to invest also into human capital, into healthcare, and other things that make people productive over time. So, and with interest rates in advanced economies, the most emerging market, even long-term interest rates, so low, in some advanced economies, you have actually negative nominal interest rates. There must be plenty of good public investment, infrastructure projects, and some of them could be private and public partnership, not just public sector, They will be highly productive and give you a social and economic return that is greater than that cost of borrowing.
0: Interesting. So thank you, Mr. Rubini, for sharing your views with us.
1: Great being with you today.
0: And thank you, our viewers, for joining us. Copyright 2015 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.